You are listening to Changing Careers, a podcast about how MBA careers are changing and how MBAs change their careers. I am Conrad Chua. In episode 42, I asked my guest, Chris Mora, whether he felt people should follow their passion when thinking about their career. I have to confess that when I asked him that question, it was really quite leading because I knew that time that today's guest will have a different view. When I was in Singapore recently, I visited the Yale and U.S. College and spent some time with Professor Paul O'Keefe. Paul has done a lot of research on motivation and interest. What caught my attention was media coverage of a recent paper that he did. The media headlines were things like, why following your passion might be bad career advice. So I was interested to learn more from Paul, and as it turned out, his research findings were a lot more nuanced than the media headlines. First, Professor O'Keefe introduced himself. My name is Paul O'Keefe, and I'm an assistant professor of psychology at Yale and U.S. College. I also have a courtesy appointment at NUS Business School, and I study human motivation and uh, how goals are most effectively pursued. And I spend most of my time focusing on the mindsets people hold that can either help or hinder them from achieving their goals. So I got interested uh, through a study you co-authored sometime last year, where amongst others, I mean, there was, there was a lot of studies, um, data there, but one of your conclusions was following your passion is a bad career advice. Why is that? Well, I, well, I guess I would say that um, the, the media, that's how the media covered it. Uh, the, the headlines were consistently, it's a ter- terrible, terrible advice to follow your passion. So, but that's not really... Uh, the, the angle that we came at it from was more, what are the consequences of telling people to find their passion? Because this is something that you hear all the time. You hear it at every commencement speech, seemingly. Um, parents, teachers tell people to find their passion. But what we were interested in is, what does telling them to find their passion communicate? It could communicate to some people that interests already exist, They're inherent within you. They're part of your disposition. All you have to do is somehow uh, reveal them, somehow find them, and then they will be there, voila, and everything will be great. Um, As opposed to this idea that's more consistent with, you know, what we find actually typically happens um, and, and more consistent with uh, it, theory about interest and passions, which is that it, these things are developed. You know, anything has the potential to be interesting. Um, people develop passions in all sorts of things. It's a matter of um, committing oneself to something or, you know, uh, um, and, and trying and working hard and so forth, and then that interest and passion can grow over time. So these are, are two different ideas about how how where interest comes from, right, or passion comes from, um, and saying that someone should find their passion could potentially be telling them that it's there, it just needs to be found. The media picked up on this, and as you said, the headline is passion. They use the word passion. But in your study, a lot of it 
you use the word interest a lot more, and that was really the bedrock on, on which you were looking at. Is there a difference between passion and interest? Yeah, so the way that um, I, I think about this and, and a lot of my colleagues in the field of interest research is that we look at, at it as a, a continuum, um, that things, it could be something as, you know, at, at a base level of um, a passing interest or a curiosity, you know, there's a bump in the night, you want to know what that is, right? Your, your attention is heightened, you're interested in knowing what that is. Uh, but that's very external. It could also be something like uh, a, a deep-seated interest in astrophysics, you know, or it could be a passion, something that people um, spend a ton of their time thinking about, um, actually engaging in particular activities or ideas um, whenever they have can and whenever they have time. Um, it's something that they, as opposed to something that's more on the interest side, a passion's more, even more internalized than, than it would be otherwise. They might even, instead of saying, I, I love playing basketball, they might say, I am a basketball player. I am like, this is who I am, right? So it's like even more internalized into who they are as a person. So there's a number of qualities that make um, a passion uh, different from an interest, but for the most part, it has a lot to do with the intensity and the degree to which people um, identify with the activity or the, the content area. How does your study build upon that kind of fixed and growth mindset? And I guess for some of the listeners who don't know what, that, what the fixed and growth mindset is, could you explain that? Sure. So a fixed mindset is just simply the belief that your interests are uh, dispositional, they're inherent, and they're um, relatively unchangeable, right? Um, therefore, when you find them, uh, you've found your interest, right? You, they're, they're there, and they should come fully formed and ready to go. Um, and they, they might even come with expectations that... Um, that because your interests or your passion has now been revealed, now uh, everything should be smooth sailing because the passion will be an unlimited source of motivation and inspiration. Someone with a growth theory believes that interests are developed. So that means that uh, uh, they don't necessarily expect things to be perfectly easy just because they have a new interest that's sparked. They expect that things might be a bit difficult at times. Um, but yeah, um, so it's just these basic idea that interests are either relatively unchangeable and inherent or whether they can be developed. On our MBA program, um, people typically have about six years of work experience. They've already become a certain functional expert. And I always say that people who come to the MBA are all kind of unhappy <laughs> to some degree because they all want to make a career transition. And obviously, they're trying to find their way. You know. What's your advice to them? Well, I, I suppose, so I, I guess I really I need to know, you know more about these individuals. Because um, some people, of course, go to an MBA because they want to make more money or they've reached some sort of ceiling and they realize that an MBA is going to be the thing that's going to get them to the next level. But if they are truly unhappy with their career path and they're taking an MBA because they want to change that, then the, 
then they're already probably to some extent on the right path because they're actually doing something active to make a change in their life rather than submitting to this being the way it's going always going to be you know i'm unhappy with my job and that's just the way things are so it it also depends on you know other motivations for going uh, into the MBA. Do they want to study more of what they already do to get them to higher levels, or are they expanding out into different areas? So one of the things that we found in our um, paper in psych science was that um, people with a growth mindset are more open to new interests. So they see interests as being more developed. Right, So that even when they have a really strong interest in one area, that doesn't preclude them from developing new interests. This was more a problem for people with a fixed mindset because um, you know, the people we, we recruited for these studies had a strong interest in something. And um, for them, um, they, they believed interests were fixed, therefore, they've, and they've already found their interests. So what, what would exploring new areas do? From their perspective, it would do nothing. They've already found their interests, right? But this just wasn't true for people with a growth mindset. They were more open to these new and different areas. And in our studies, we were looking at people with deep interests in either the, art, the arts and humanities or the STEM fields. So, And we were looking at how much interest they would have across those areas. And it was people with a growth mindset who had a stronger interest, relatively speaking. So if MBA students are, are coming in um, and really wanting to explore new areas, maybe areas that, that are totally different, maybe they want to go in a completely new direction, maybe they want to complement the areas that they already have strengths in, and they want to explore new areas and develop skills in those areas and, and those interests, then that is a very valuable thing as well. So. Um, so I guess, you know, there's lots of reasons they might be coming to the MBA, but one potential benefit of having a growth mindset among those people is that it really can make them more open to new, new skill areas, new content areas, new career paths that actually might enrich them far more than if they just stayed on the same path the whole time. Finally, I have to ask you, so how has adopting a growth mindset helped you in your academic career? Uh, good question. Um, I, I don't remember ever adopting a growth mindset of interest. I do think that that's probably something I, are, I always had for whatever reason. But I will say that when it comes to um, people's beliefs about intelligence, then this is where all this research started. Um, whether people believe, and this started with Carol Dweck's work in the late 70s, early 80s, that showed that people tend to believe that um, intelligence is either this fixed entity that's unlikely to change, or that it's something that's malleable, that with effort and good strategies, good mentorship, you can actually become smarter and more capable. Um, that was something, I mean, that's the reason I got into this area, actually, because of that research. And I was very much a fixed you know, uh, someone with a fixed mindset. I thought that there were just some things that I was good at and some things that I wasn't good at. And the way it affected me was that I wasn't going to try or put in hard work into something that didn't come easily to me because it just didn't make sense. Like it just rationally, it didn't make sense to put in hard work for something that I couldn't possibly, you know, develop abilities for. 
and at some point, um, late high school, I realized that 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 was just completely false. Um, it was, it was, I had realized at some point that this was really more of a belief I held. I didn't even know about this research at all at the time. It's just something I, I happened to um, serendipitously stumble upon through my experiences. And so I, I started working very hard to see if it was, I was experimenting, you know, and I started working very hard. Um, and I started to do very, very well in my, my classes and, uh, and all sorts of things. And, you know, the rest is history. I'm a professor now. Um, so that really was a very powerful moment, right? So to understand that, um, your intellectual abilities, um, are in fact subject to improvement if you put in the work. And um, so that is what really my beliefs of shifting my beliefs about intelligence is really what uh, I think made me the, the person I am today. That was my conversation with Professor Paul O'Keefe at the Yale and US College in Singapore. If you've not read about the growth mindset that we spoke about, I highly recommend you go online. Search for Professor Keefe's work or Carol Dweck. That's D-W-E-C-K. My ex-boss recommended Carol's book called Mindset, and that's been invaluable reading for me. It is said that Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella even adopted the growth mindset when thinking about how to develop the company's leaders. On a personal note, I just bought a book for my seven-year-old that teaches the growth mindset. And if you know my daughter, you'll know that she can be quite cynical, so wish me luck on this. This is the second of three episodes that I recorded during a business trip in Asia. In the next episode, I travel to Tokyo, where I'll learn more about the startup scene there. You can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, subscribe if you've not done so. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Just one favor. Share this with someone you know who might benefit from this thing. Please leave a rating and review. It helps others discover the show. You can let me know what you think about the show by tweeting at ConradChua16. Till next time, this is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers. Bye.